0: And now remain standing for a reading of God's Word. Love it now please open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 19. <clears throat> We're just before uh, the mountain of God, Horeb or Sinai, if you will. <clears throat> and chapter 19 is a, a bit of a preface to uh, chapter 20 and the Ten Commandments. And <clears throat> it is really a most important preface lest we place the Ten Commandments uh, out of context, and there is a great deal, a great deal of context uh, to be understood, and uh, we must understand rightly, uh, because here, uh, um, if, we, if, if we're climbing up this mountain and, and slip on one of its slippery uh, slopes, uh, we can really dash ourselves to ruin, uh, and yet there is, an, uh, there is a right ascent, there is a right ascent through the mediator, uh, And God, after all, offers us here at Sinai a gracious covenant that is an improvement over the Abrahamic covenant, but which also uh, respects his everlasting holiness, his purity, which he cannot at all compromise uh, with uh, being in covenant with sinners. So uh, this is a very, very challenging... uh, Chapter 19, I think, is one of the most challenging chapters I have had to to research in the in the Bible. So please bear with me. I will try to get through these notes. Beginning then with verse one of Exodus nineteen I think I'll read uh, through yeah, through 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 uh, verse eight. On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of Israel, of the land of Egypt, rather on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. And there Israel encamped before the mountain, while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus ye shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on the eagle's wings, and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and called to the elders of the people and set them before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. I'll take it just this far for now. Next time we're going to cover the whole chapter, hopefully in one swipe. Uh, Let's pray. Lord, now open up your scriptures to us, just as you have befriended Moses (coughs) atop of your holy mountain. We pray that you would befriend us through Jesus and show us your glory. Once again, Lord, not in stone, but in your spirit and who you really are as figured in all of the, your theophany here, all of the fire and the, the thunderings and the lightning and all, all that accompanied your, your coming, your visit to us. May we understand these things and may it, Lord uh, edify us, build us up with uh, in holy awe of your person and prompt us to run to Christ who is our rock and our strong fortress and all our righteousness. And we pray this through Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. The teaching here is as follows. Jehovah <clears throat> is proven to be faithful and gracious in his prior covenants to his people. We need to understand that. That's the preface. Israel already has experience with God. And uh, the experience comes through their forefathers. And so if Jehovah is proven to be faithful and gracious in his prior covenants to his people. The Mosaic Covenant at Mount Sinai graciously builds upon the promises and conditions of the previous covenants, and its terms likewise must be obeyed. That's the teaching. Although even when having said that, there's just so much more that I feel like I'm I'm holding something back from you. But again, an introduction by way of proposition has to be somewhat short so you can remember it. And uh, somewhat short, so I can build on it in a decent length sermon and not take up your whole evening. But here we go. First point of the sermon: Uh, the Mosaic covenant was inaugurated 50 days after the Passover. Uh, So you have to, when you're reading, when you're reading the Bible, you always have to ask, why? Why is this uh, that I'm reading? Why is it here? And and what does it mean? What does it mean uh, for the Holy Spirit to pen? These words by Moses, that on the third new moon after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, the day they came into the wilderness of Sinai, etc, why would that be there? Well, uh, it, was, it was inaugurated 50 days after the Passover. The count of days is as follows: uh, There's 45 days from Ramses to the base of, of, Saint, uh, of Mount Sinai. And then there's one day for Moses to ascend three days to prepare the people, as you'll see later in the reading of the chapter. And one day for Moses to descend and proclaim the covenant to Israel, all that is fifty days. Now, why is that significant? I think you know. You know, especially if you know your uh, your, your New Testament, uh, this is uh, this giving of the law has been memorialized in the feast of the Pentecost, uh, and that was an Old Testament feast of remembering God giving the law. Now, again, the um, the Lord's visit to Israel on Sinai is multifaceted. But you wouldn't memorialize, memorialize something uh, that uh, was necessarily uh, uh, something that you did not love. The Pentecost was it was a celebration. And the giving of the law was, some, it was something that the Jews regarded as something good. And that was something we should also regard as something good. And the reason I say that, well, we'll, we'll, we'll see why, I can't, I can't get of my notes. It is good that the, law re- that the Lord revealed His holiness there, and it is good that God gives us commandments that teaches us, in greater ways than the Abrahamic covenant ever did, what He means by being holy. I'll, I'll, I'll fill that statement out in, in just a bit. Anyway, in the Old Testament, Pentecost was obligatory. It was a festival. It commemorates the start of God's continuing confident nation. We celebrate the 4th of July. Why? Well, we we became an independent nation. And Israel was a family, but uh, they knew what a nation looked like, Egypt. They were not arranged as a nation before that, but now now we have a government and we will have a government not just with elders, as in a church, but also under God as their king, and uh, and God is their king, and and, uh, and Israel is now a covenanted people, and that's something to be celebrated. Uh, every people takes pride in their own nation, but the people of God especially are happy to be the the peculiar people of God, and as we read here, that uh, the Lord will regard His people as His peculiar, a distinct, a special possession. Uh, the, the Hebrew word there is segula, and, and it means a prized treasure, a prized treasure. This is something to be, to be celebrated, and not something to be shunned or something to be uh, forgotten uh, at all. In the New Testament, 50 days from the resurrection of Christ, we see the sending forth of the Holy Spirit to Jerusalem. Again, the uh, the Lord uh, comes uh, down from on high on Sinai and gives his law and inaugurates The covenant in the New Testament. uh, It is the spirit of Christ poured forth from the right hand of God the Father, and there inaugurates, as you would, the the terms of the new covenant you might say, uh, uh, by the infilling of the church with his spirit. It's ascending forth of the Holy Spirit to Jerusalem, commemorates the start of God's continuing, of God's continuing covenant nation, uh, the new covenant church. Uh, I'm not a liturgist, but I think uh, if I were, uh, one of the prime feasts that I would f- uh, 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 like for the church to remember is the Feast of Pentecost, the birth of the nation, just like we celebrate the 4th of July. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, we should be celebrating that perhaps every every Lord's Day of the Sabbath. So the Mosaic Covenant was inaugurated 50 days after the Passover. And why do I mention it? Oh, because it's here. It's I have to exegete it. It's in the text. And I have to be faithful to the text, but it also lends a certain flavor of anticipation as to what we're talking about. Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Are we going to run from this mountain scared to death? All right. The second point here is that the Mosaic covenant builds upon God's previous covenants. That, my friends, is a feature of, of covenant theology. We see the, uh, uh, the unfolding of the covenant of grace and in, in its promises. With greater and greater detail, greater and greater scope, uh, greater and greater terms, um, and greater and greater glory for God uh, as we see God's faithfulness in upholding His end. All right, the Abrahamic covenant was never terminated, it was never taken away, abrogated, abrogated. Uh, it is a covenant of grace, and as the scriptures uh, clearly indicate to Abraham, it is an everlasting covenant. And that everlasting, Allah, in the uh, and the Hebrew does not mean lasting a long time. It means lasting forever. Some of our lexicons have gone crazy these days. God's promise of salvation to Abraham and God's blessings uh, to that nation, of course, still stands. I, I mean, the Jehovah's already shown himself very, very faithful and very gracious uh, to Israel and, and bring them out of Egypt and, 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 and save them from all their enemies and fighting for them in front of Pharaoh's armies, in front of the armies of Amalek, and even ending internal disputes. He quells all their problems. God's promises of salvation to Abraham and God's blessings to the nations, uh, all the, say all the other nations in Abraham, they're still, they're still on the table. And God needs to make good in his promise that all nations will be blessed in Abraham. Okay. The Abrahamic covenant was the reason that Jehovah attended the cries of Abraham's children and slavery. He says so himself. Uh, he, he, has, he remembered his promises and he says, I will go down and hear the cries of these are, that are afflicted. Jehovah here uh, 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 herein, uh, narrates his faithfulness in a kind of a preamble to, to the covenant there at, my, at, at Sinai. Uh, and here's what has done. He's He's judged Egypt for Abraham's, Abraham's sake. You know, in the days of Abraham, he judged Abimelech for the sake of Abraham and for the sake of his promise uh, to the seed of, uh, of the woman and and, and, and Sarah's seed. Uh, Israel was graciously redeemed by Jehovah uh, through the blood of a lamb there uh, in, in, in Egypt. And Israel, and Israel was graciously carried. He was. They were carried as as by the wings of an eagle. Uh, it's not easy to get through, navigate through a, a wilderness. But the Lord knew what He was doing, and He expressly brought them to this mountain with this with this, His own purposes in mind. As He even said so, as He had previously told to Moses that He would meet him here at the base of this mountain. Israel then is promised. Uh, even more blessings under the Mosaic Covenant. See the Abraham Covenant. Uh, in Abraham, all nations would be blessed, uh, and he, uh, Jehovah God would be a shield uh, to, to to Abraham, and He would give him. His descendants would inherit the land. All right. Here we have all of those. Plus, we know that here that that uh, Israel would be Jehovah's unique treasure, unique treasure among all the nations of the world, the Segula, And the promises um, in this covenant, uh, we should understand, are absolute with respect to God's elect. Not every soul in Israel is, is Israel. Uh, that is to say, not every Israel of soul uh, 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 in, in the nation of Israel is God's elect Israel. So the promise is absolute with regard to uh, Jehovah's election of Israel, but is a conditional Uh, covenant a conditional covenant uh, being externally binding uh, those that have entered covenant with him and it's conditioned upon obeying uh, more rightly more correctly upon hearing Jehovah and obeying Jehovah hearing because hearing involves much more than just law hearing involves all the statutes and ordinances the feasts that would largely proclaim the goodness of God uh, and pictured Christ and his saving work. All right. Um, Israel then is manifestly under a covenant of grace before God, uh, entering the foot of Sinai. And now uh, at Sinai, they formally sign onto uh, the Mosaic Covenant as a covenant of grace. But of course, I I, I have to say in the same breath, otherwise you're gonna think, Lou, you're not being faithful here. It is a covenant of grace, but is multifaceted as, as there is a subended to it uh, or annexed to it a clear revelation of God's holiness, with a reminder that if we do not engage that covenant by faith, all right, and, and engage all of its terms, and all, all that is left is our sin, and uh, and that that brings shame and condemnation. All right, more more on that later. Uh, Mosaic covenant builds upon God's previous covenants, but the uh, even the Abrahamic covenant was not without law. Uh, some commentaries here run well. Israel, you know, asked for it. They they asked to they asked to join into this. They they consented to it. But before then there was no law. Well, that is a that is a, a terrible gloss and a, a huge harm in handling the scriptures. We saw. In Genesis 18, for instance, that God knew that Abraham would walk before him with integrity of heart, and and that he would teach his children his ways. And that, my friends, is our statutes and ordinances, circumcision and law. Uh, Abimelech, uh, he became ultimately a friend (laughs) of Abraham, but he was a a neighbor king. Abimelech himself knew that he should not touch Sarah. He should not commit adultery, and he feared God, and God made that clear in his conscience, and so he knew that law. It was in his members, and so of course there was law, even if even for the non-Jew there was law. Jehovah brought uh, the great flood in Noah's day because of mankind's wickedness, and you you read that in Genesis six and verse six. the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on earth; every every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth; it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, "I will blot out the man. I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land. Man, animals, creeping things, birds of the heavens. For I am sorry that I have made him." But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Well my friends, here the Lord sees wickedness, but there is no sin where there is no law. So there was always law. Moses and the elders judged Israel in the wilderness. Uh, Jethro recommending the, the new organization of, of 70 elders and all that. Well, how? How would they judge them? Uh, by flip of a coin? By, uh, by a fleece? No, they, they judged them with uh, what they knew of God's ways and uh, the 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 law of nature, even in their own consciences, was would not be it would not be a perfect law, as we sang in our hymn just now. But it would be a sufficient law. But Cain was guilty for killing Abel, but where was the commandment "Thou shalt not kill"? Well, it was everywhere in the nature of man. It was everywhere in the nature of man, and uh, of course Adam and his family. It should be understood that uh, on the seventh day, the Lord gave them space to worship. And Adam and Eve, being perfect and upright, they took advantage and they worshiped. So there's the fourth commandment. So, so the, uh, the Abrahamic covenant wasn't without law. Okay. And, uh, and today, the Christian faith, we are saved by grace. And grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And yet, the Christian faith uh, is not without uh, law Christians today are sons of, a- of Father Abraham by faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what Romans 4 says: that we are all sons of Abraham. There is a continuation of the promises of God, and there is an amplification of, of filling out, a building up of the terms of the covenant of grace to greater and greater detail. Uh, so the Mosaic Covenant uh, was for Israel, uh, Jehovah's continuing covenant. They were going forward, and uh, there was no going back to the Abrahamic Covenant because, of course, by this time, the Lord Jehovah being not only their creator, but their, his, their redeemer, he had propriety in them. <laughs> they, had, they had been the slaves of, of Pharaoh, but now they were slaves of Jehovah. There was no going backwards to the Abrahamic Covenant. If they went backwards, all they would face the Red Sea, Egypt, uh, idolatry, the world, death, etc. Uh, Egypt representing the world without God. So the Mosaic covenant builds upon uh, God's previous covenants. The, the next thing we'll see is that the covenant of works in Adam, it was still extant. It was still there. It was never wholly removed. Adam knew God's law perfectly, uh, since he was created upright and in righteousness. And, uh, with, there's a verse in Colossians that escapes me right now, but uh, that's the, the, the new man created in Christ Jesus is created, and it is said to have to be recreated in, right, in uprightness and in, and in righteousness. And so we are created first as humans in the garden in Adam, and then we are recreated in Christ. It is a, is a new creation. Uh, so Adam, so Adam knew God's law perfectly, and this was the original giving of God's law in man's own nature. Why do you say that? How do you prove that? Well, because God made man in His image, and He not meaning, of course, not in the image, uh, physical image, because God is a spirit, and he, He's infinite uh, in, in, in His span, and, uh, and He alone is is perfectly sovereign those Those characteristics do not commute to to any creature, but uh, it can be said that if a rational creature is to have true communion and friendship with his maker, he, he must be, uh, there must be an equity there of righteousness, otherwise the all holy God would not be able to to uh, stand for sin in his presence and and the man, the sinner would be banished. Uh, this is the same law. The law in, in man's nature is the same law given again to believers in their regenerated nature at conversion. That's been the promise given to the prophets in the Old Testament that in the new covenant, the Lord would inscribe his law on their hearts, hearts of flesh, not on stone. And he would remove the stony heart and uh, and it would be, as it were, a, a, a new creation uh, that is acceptable to God in every way, uh, warm to all of his ways, and, uh, and that is the glory, it was one of the glories of the new covenant. The covenant of works, as uh, was outlined uh, to, to Adam in, in, in the garden, required perfect obedience to God. Okay? Uh, that is to say, that what God told Adam to do, he must do it, and his life depended, his continuing, uh, tenant, uh, his, his, his continuing tenure there as a resident of paradise and as a creature living before God, depended on complete and perfect obedience to God in every word. And so it was a conditional covenant, and the covenant was contingent upon Adam keeping one law, and that law was not a commandment as we find it in the Ten Commandments, but it was a positive law, that is to say, one that depended not on God's being or his nature, being righteous, but uh, of his will. And the law that God imposed according to his will was that Adam and Eve should not eat of the, uh, the, uh, the fruit of the tree of the, in the middle of the garden, the tree of, uh, the, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's the positive law. Now moral law relates to God's and man's essence. And that's why since God does not change and the blueprint that God made uh, in man as a species, as as a creature does not change. Man is still man. He's not evolved at all. That's one of the greatest dangers of having evolutionary theory everywhere. We lose lose track of the universal, perpetual, and uh, obligatory manner of the moral law. If everything's changing, the creature has changed, his essence has changed, and the moral law no longer uh, is descriptive of his excellence, of his of his righteousness. Moral law relates to God's nature and to man's excuse me, to God's essence, and man's essence. Positive law relates to God's will, and so Adam had to obey because God, who had Propriety in in Adam, because he was his creator, said so. Now the gospel today is an example, my friends, not of a natural law, because there's nothing in man that he, if he sat down under uh, the shade of a tree and found a comfortable stone or a bench, if he thought hard, there would be nothing in any philosopher today that would conjure up the terms of any gospel, any promise whatsoever of salvation. Uh, Man has not heard, nor has he thought of these things. Uh, what God uh, provides for us is a promise uh, that is based on a positive law. And the law is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. So um, what I'm saying is, and we're going to get into a lot of complexity here once we see the ceremonial law and the judicial law of Israel, but uh, for now let me just say that I I, I think, I'm not sure, I'm still thinking, but I think that one way we can regard uh, the ceremonial laws coming up in Exodus and, and the judicial laws coming up in Exodus is that they are positive, positive applications that can be wrapped up under more God's moral law, uh, perfectly suitable to it uh, because God says they are, <laughs> even though there is nothing, again, since the ceremonial law it pictures Christ's great salvation, in terms of sacrifices and offerings and, and, and uh, 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 various kinds of uh, uh, perfume, perfumery and incense and all that. Uh, since that is uh, pointing to Christ, that again is not a natural law. That is a positive law, as is the gospel, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. That's a positive law. And God honors that, and we need to honor that because God gives that to his people. Now the benefit to Adam was life to continue. Life was to continue in Eden upon obedience. And then there was a sanctions and there was a threat. There was was a very clear threat, and Adam perfectly understood it, uh, that uh, in the day that he should uh, eat, he shall surely die. And then the Lord was emphatic. The Hebrew there is emphatic. In that very day, uh, Adam did die spiritually and began in that very instant to die physically. And, uh, and then there was also uh, threats and the cursing of the earth on, the, on behalf of, of Adam because he had dominion over all things. Now, if he was lowered a great notch <laughs> by, his, by his judgment, so was everything under Adam, all animals, Uh, suffer by Adam's fall. All all the earth groans by Adam's fall, and that is because Adam was cursed upon his disobedience. And that covenant was broken. Uh, But all the sons of Adam, uh, by natural descent, those born of Adam by natural descent, are still part of that broken uh, covenant with Adam. It was a covenant of works. And if you think about it, uh, that explains why all the nations of the world have their religions and are working furiously uh, to justify themselves and find some kind of favor with God or gods. Or, and the other thing, that, if you think about it, is the nation, all nations are fighting furiously against God's edict of judgment, which he has levied in all churches. That, that uh, Sin brings misery and uh, miserable conditions. And so famine and plagues, and all manner of medical diseases, all that. Uh, we have, we invent marvelous ways to fight against that. And if our motives are good, we do good. We, 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 we want to abate and uh, alleviate human suffering. But from another perspective, we are rebelling against God for levying that on us as sinful creatures that deserve death and misery. And we don't like the sentence of death that we received in Adam and uh, we resent it very much as as fallen men who do not know God, uh, Adam and his descendants sinned, and they died in breaking that covenant. Adam ate, and he broke the one positive law not to eat of the particular tree and in breaking that positive law and you have gone through some of you have already gone through this uh, really his the motions went through breaking all ten commandments in his nature. The positive law re- reported to more than one commandment. We're going to see that when we study the Ten Commandments. Or, uh, the, the commandments dovetail one another. They interact with one another. They they harmonize as, as a symphony with with one another. And, and, and so, uh, and so, what we have here is uh, Adam breaking, uh, completely shattering the law, showing that he himself uh, wanted to be God as that awful serpent uh, had 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 also. Uh, That was his thesis. Why should God only be the one that knows the difference between good and evil? You gotta be just like him. Adam gave God a run for the money. Adam lost and we all lost in Adam. A form of the original moral law continues then in the conscience of every reasonable soul. I say a form because it's been much defaced Uh, and much has been forgotten. And for instance, the positive aspects of the Sabbath commandment—this particular day and not any other seventh day—well, uh, that that was lost and had to be recovered by by revelation. Uh, In the help of revelation, then uh, we have something that all the nations don't have. We have a clearer, a clearer me- uh, revelation from God, a clearer instruction from God from God as to the ways that please Him, uh, and also the way that he is and that we hope to be. And if, the, if we can chime and, and relate to that and love that, well, that's, that's no small part of our piety. Not, not, not just obeying those things, but loving the things that God loves. And God loves holiness. He loves purity. And so we should celebrate law. All right. Um, the fallen nature of man much obscures the law in the conscience of every reasonable Soul, but God's republishing His original law for man at Sinai. That's a gift. That's gracious. Why? Well, because all unregenerated persons in Israel. Yeah, let's say let's let's now look at the camp of Israel. Now they are encamped on the foot of this of this mountain. Uh, they're still under the covenant of works as fallen in Adam until they latch onto the promise. The promise will be given by Moses, in so many words, by the ceremonies and their types, by all manner of feast days. Even the Sabbath is a, remember that God, a remembrance of God has rest. The Passover, that cannot be. You remember, we studied that in Exodus chapter 12. Is that not a, a very clear presentation that the blood of the Lamb saves? Is that not? Very, very clear. To, of course, not. we're Christian. We're in hindsight twenty twenty. right? yes all unregenerate persons in Israel and in the world today are still under the covenant of works, working furiously to justify themselves, Uh, ashamed to be caught in sin if there's there's really uh, uh, some public indecency to it, and then very much wanting to toss away the yoke of the guilt uh, imputed to us and the shame imputed to us in our misery, in our fallen state. But as God reminds us graciously under the Mosaic covenant, it's a gracious reminder. The soul that sins shall die. He wants us to, wants us to know that. That it, it, sin is serious business. And if he didn't remind us, he wouldn't be a very good pastor to us, would he? No, God, God says that the soul that sins will die. That the wages of sin is death. And so God's law, especially the moral law, threatens death. It threatens death even... It, it, even even the setting of Sinai with the quaking mountain and and God shrouded in a cloud and thunders and lightnings and blasts of trumpets. So that Moses is said in Hebrews to say, "I I tremble, I tremble at the thought of God's visit." Okay, that my friends uh, is helpful, a helpful reminder that if we don't flee to the mediator, if we don't flee to Christ and his promises, to to that blood, that God is wrathful to us already and he will remain wrathful to us forever. I, I, I could speak more on this, but I will digress. All men now, as a result of God's visit to the top of Mount Horeb, are much more without excuse for their sin because of God's moral law published at Sinai every mouth must necessarily be stopped if we understood the commandments rightly. Well, I know people that, are, that abuse it. I think there's a, they have some kind of righteousness in it, but that's not, the, that's not why the law was published, and that's not what the preface of the Ten Commandments uh, wants us to, to understand. The final point of this sermon is this, that the covenant of grace with Adam was never removed. The, covenant of law, uh, the broken covenant of works was still standing, but there was a, a covenant of grace with Adam. After he fell, Adam was given a gracious promise of an avenger. Uh, the avenger would come uh, by the seed of the woman. Uh, that, that promise is in Genesis 3.15. And faith in God's provision, his promise, just holding on to that hope, that would have been counted as righteousness to anyone who heard that story. Yes, we you know, we, 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 we our family, we were doing well. I mean, just imagine in a family reunion. We once were doing pretty well. And then sin came, and we all were devastated, and that's why life is so very hard. That's why when you get a job, you're, all gonna, you're always going to say, it's been a tough day. I, I worked by the sweat of my brow, uh, and there is no perfection in this life, and we marry, and get old, and get weak, and we get, and we get to die. Well... But if the family reunion says, but you know, what are, what are, is there any remedy? Here yeah, we have one hope. God promised that he would send one and would avenge all that we lost. All our friendship with God, all our uprightness, all the pleasures of paradise, all the ease, the wealth, the beauty, friendship with, with God and angels. That would be enough for any man in that day, in that day, to have been uh, to have been justified. Israel then would learn of the seed promise through Moses' writings. It had long been forgotten. Don't you know that even gossip goes <laughs> goes away sooner or later, right? Israel would learn of the, the seed promise through Moses' writings and and through a great many helpful ordinances, all of which foreshadowed the seed of the woman coming, Messiah, and the bruising of, of the head of the serpent in this Mosaic covenant. Many, many things are pictured we won't get into that just now. Many sermons ahead of us. That, that grace may appear all the more gracious the law is given, that sin might appear all the more sinful. Again, an exercise for you. Uh, if you want to see and relish the grace of God that is in Christ given to you, spend more time parked before Sinai and, and see and feel the thunderings and see and, and, and feel God's best friend Moses terrified. Moses is terrified because of god 's presence. The whole thing is ablaze and fire. It looks like a like a kiln smoke coming out of everywhere. The people some people wanting to run one way and others wanted to go and dash themselves against the the mountain and even peek behind the cloak of, of cloud, the curtain of cloud to see what to gawk at god or 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 or, or not to or I think what 's going on is people wanted to see, not believe. They wanted to to see God. They didn't want to believe in God. That's a violation of the first two commandments. But that grace may appear all the more gracious, this law is given. That we might know how bad our disease is and has been and that we might be more and more grateful to the physician who heals and completely perfects us. All right? The seed promise of Adam, then, is finally fulfilled in Christ. Uh, all of the Mosaic law points to Christ as its fulfillment. Uh, the ceremonial and civil laws are, again, positive laws and their application of the moral laws, but they have an element uh, of some wisdom carried forth for that people of that time, showing how God is wise to, uh, to lead his people uh, according to God's own nature and compatible with God's, with, with man's regenerative, regenerated nature uh, for those who have circumcised hearts in Israel, the true believers, the elect. The Old Testament, Old Testament positive laws then uh, were abrogated with the people of Israel there in the institution of the new covenant. All those are removed. The ceremony is no longer needed. The judicial. We're having a new nation. The church is a new nation. It's worldwide. We no longer uh, uh, have the same climate nor the same uh, landscape. Uh, the inheritance, the inherited land portions no longer apply. None of that applies to a worldwide church. And so all that is, is abrogated, is removed, uh, as positive laws can be by by, the, by their own author. But, but the moral law, the natural law? No, that's universal perpetual. And... Um, and, and that, that continues. Now, in Jesus Christ, the seed, and He is the seed of the woman. He is the Son of God. All nations of the world are now blessed because that is the seed of the woman that was promised to Adam. So the covenant of grace with Adam was never abrogated. God has proven absolutely faithful. So that's the main thing we need to find out. We need to keep in mind, going forward as Israel is now Uh, considering this covenant that God is is making with them. The Lord has has been faithful in all things and will continue to build upon what he has laid forth as promises to his people. Uh, Jehovah is proven to be faithful and gracious in his prior covenants to his people. The Mosaic covenant of Mount Sinai graciously builds upon the promises and conditions of his previous covenants and its terms must be obeyed. Now the first thing that we have to do is to believe that God is absolutely sincere in offering us this salvation. Uh, uh, in the in the Ten Commandments, it says in the preface, "I am the Lord your God," and that is an emphatic statement. But what what is saying? What it really says? I need to look at it again in the Hebrew. But it but it seems to be saying is is that I am surely I am surely your God uh, that has brought you out of the land of Egypt, and so there is an offer even in the preface of the law. There is an offer in the preface of the law, if the Israelites will accept it by faith, that God is not only God but is their God. Well, my friends, that's that's a very gracious offer, you see, and, and uh, we we need to we need to uh, understand that when God gives us. Uh, All of his revelations, it's not to ruin our lives. It's it's not to make our lives miserable, to take away our joy. It is uh, to fulfill all that is of right humanity. All that we were meant to be is wrapped up with his covenant to us. Salvation was only by works of the law in Eden. There is the only place where a man could work and do anything of his own without a mediator and take credit for maintaining his life before God. That was a covenant of works, of the law. Salvation is the free gift of God and his seed, the Son, of Jesus Christ, all who believe. And so your main response is one of gratitude, always. And we work our obedience in this life out of a heart of gratitude. If you are obeying commandments out of a mere fear that is servile, and that is not a feature of the adopted sons of God. We have to work through that. See me? We can go through counseling and all that. But the, the servile fear of servile uh, service uh, is not fitting for one who has uh, Christ in dwelling and has been given the liberty of the sons of God. Uh, gratitude is uh, the badge of the redeemed. Do you have the Spirit of Christ? That's the new kingdom. That's That's the new creation that was inaugurated at Pentecost in the year 33 A.D. That marks the beginning of the new and everlasting covenant the people of God, the covenant of the people of God. Do you know its terms and its conditions? Do you know the gospel? Can you you narrate the gospel to yourself? That is not an insignificant exercise. That is something that is most important because therein is all your consolation, all your comfort, all your rejoicing, Know the gospel, and especially in contradiction to the threats and the condemnation of failing, the, not the law of God, you will all fail the law of God, but the, the law in the form of a covenant of works, as it was first in Adam, which every believer is not. is no longer pertains to that. We belong to Christ in the covenant of grace. My friends, the law is good. The law is spiritual. It is a gift to remind you of the way you should live before God, in his community, the church. So you are to receive all of God's law and love. You are to store it in your heart. You are to rehearse it. And you are to walk before the Lord in uprightness, uh, as Abraham and all of God's children did of old. And therein, my friend, is liberty. Uh, liberty is in the right use of law, not just in law, bare law as servile servile uh, servants, but but lovers of God, the lovers of the spirit that enables us to walk in the paths that are absolutely uh, in agreement with the law. And the way to do that, my friends, is is by faith. Uh, You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that seed. And he is the one given by God for the remission of our sins, the washing of all all of our indecencies, and uh, he will give his spirit to us uh, and he will get the praise. By union, with, uh, by union with Christ, we have communion with him and with God. And so we are friends of God like Moses. Friends of God are invited to come and ascend. If we could picture it this way, uh, if we could possibly have union with Moses, then we all as a nation of Israel would have ascended with Moses up and down, dined with God, spoken with God, were friends of God. But union with Moses is an impossibility. He is a finite man. But Jesus is the one who has ascended and descended. And with union with Jesus Christ, we have friendship with Jesus and communion with God. And we can go up and down every mountain we want. Does that help? Yeah. All right. The Lord bless you. And the Lord help you in every way to see his august and manifest holiness as well as his infinite mercy to his nation, the church. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time in your scriptures. We thank you that we can encamp here at the foot of Sinai for a bit and uh, meditate and consider the ways of God and consider all that you are and all that we were when we were made and all that we are now constituted in Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you redeem your, your creation. You do, not, you do not leave it spoiled by the deceit and the malice of Satan. Uh, but, Lord, you will have a people, uh, your own treasured possession. We love you for this, and we, and we pray that we would always honor you. Forgive us our sins anew when we trespass. But help us to work out our salvation. With fear and reverence of all that you are, but also in gratitude for all that Christ is. And we pray this to your glorious name in Jesus. Amen. Our last hymn is number 1B. We'll sing.